Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Wednesday, March 30th, and today we're talking to Teddy Schleifer about Twilio CEO Jeff Lawson and his wife Erica, the Silicon Valley donors who are making big moves in the world of democratic politics. We'll look at what they're doing to claim the mantle from Mark Benioff and the old guard of Silicon Valley political money and how their newly minted group, Democracy First, is already leveling up for this year's midterm. We'll hear about all that and more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. Are you tired of sleeping hotter than hell? I sure am. I sleep hot. There's something crucial about sleep that eludes us when we're too warm, too uncomfortable, and too caught in the web of our own thoughts to drift off. And while curiosity fuels our days, science tells us that cool sleep recharges our nights. That's where Chili Pad by Sleep Me comes in. Meet the bed cooling system that elevates the quality of human life through cool sleep. The Chili Pad Bed Cooling System is your new bedtime solution. I love it. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Chili Pad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees, allowing your body to rest and recover. This isn't just about escaping the heat, it's also about optimizing your sleep for better health, more energy, and improved physical and cognitive performance, which I obviously need hosting a podcast. Chili pads are designed for one or two sleepers, so if your sleep partner likes to sleep at a different temperature, or you only need it for one side of the bed, that's okay too, and we know that's crucial. Plus, you can schedule automated temperature changes to trigger deep sleep. But when I'm at home, Chili Pad solves those problems. So trust me on this one. Visit sleep.me slash powers to get your chili pad and save up to $315 with code powers. This offer is available exclusively for powers that be listeners and only for a limited time. Order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with their sleep trial. Visit www.sleep.com dot me slash powers because you're not just investing in better sleep you're creating a better life welcome everyone to the powers that be joined today by teddy schleifer who is our mole up in the bay area giving us all the dirt and details of what those rich people are up to i like it (laughs) teddy welcome you have a piece up on puck.news at the moment called Mini Benioff makes his mega play. <laughs> so if you don't speak Bay Area, Mark Benioff was the sort of statesman emissary of Silicon Valley into the world of politics, using all of his money from Salesforce to be an all-purpose do-gooder. But he sort of stepped back from that, Teddy, and into the void has stepped the CEO of Twilio. <laughs> Twilio, which I, I describe as some cloud company that does something that you don't understand. Exactly. Also how people describe Salesforce. <laughs> to punctuate that, uh, Teddy describes Twilio as a cloud company that does something in enterprise software that you can't really explain. Uh, ditto. But just to take a step back for the people listening, Teddy doesn't just cover rich people in Silicon Valley and what they're up to. Lately, he's been covering a lot of how that crowd is putting their money into politics. You know, money 
in Teddy's telling, has been drifting away from traditional party committees and super PACs. And now a lot of wealthy people are putting their money into quote unquote philanthropy and figuring out how to save the world, either from a right-wing libertarian lens or perhaps more so from the left. Twilio's CEO is a guy named Jeff Lawson. And Teddy, can you tell me why Jeff Lawson has so much money and why Jeff Lawson is suddenly becoming the person that everybody wants to get a meeting with? So Jeff Lawson founded this company called Twilio, which as a public company, I think it's worth about $25, $30 million. So Lawson has, you know, a small, small mega fortune, maybe a a fortune that's not Zuckerbergian or even Benioffian, we're just making up words here, but, but, you know, he's a rich guy and, you know, has uh, an interest in politics. And the reason why I want to write about him in particular, because there's sort of dime a dozen donors out there, um, is because what's happening now in Silicon Valley is that there's been this retrenchment or maybe uh, an aspiring retrenchment from politics by Silicon Valley elites. Benioff, as you mentioned, sort of epitomizes this. He is someone who used to give tons of money to politics, sort of personified what it meant to be a political CEO. And then he and his wife, in sort of an unrelated move, bought Time Magazine. And he has receded, now no longer makes political donations, no longer makes endorsements. And there's a void. And lots of people in Silicon Valley, for other reasons, because they're tired after four years of Trump, because they don't really care about whether or not there's a center-right president or a center-left president. You know, these people would not have cared if Mitt Romney was elected in 2012. People are stepping back. But Jeff Lawson is one of probably two or three examples I could come up with of people who are doing the opposite. And that's why it's interesting to me. People who are wealthy and after Trump, after 2020, after January 6th, have decided that they want to get deeper into politics and fill that void. And, and Lawson, as we write in this story, the mega play that, that you mentioned is something that hasn't really been reported before, which is the Lawsons are standing up new outside groups. They're hiring these new political advisors, which to me has always been a signal that someone is serious about being a mega donor. They're not just doing it themselves or hiring staff. And Lawson's advisors are circulating kind of big plans to sort of take on what they see as the anti-democratic, small-D Republican Party. I mean, it's a story that I think if you care about Silicon Valley wealth, you care about Silicon Valley philanthropy, you care about, frankly, just the future of the Democratic Party, these guys got to be on your radar. The group that Lawson is standing up is called Democracy First, which, and you write about this, sounds indistinguishable from a bajillion other Democratic allied groups or the Democracy Alliance. Sure. It is a ambiguously termed but well-funded group designed to smartly, I think, on his part, not just give money to Stacey Abrams or give money to Democrats running for the Senate. You know, it appears they're trying to get people elected to state legislatures as election clerks, as secretaries of state, people elected to state Supreme Courts where those positions are on the ballot. And, you know, I don't know what Jeff Lawson's politics are and whether he voted for Barack Obama or Mitt Romney or John McCain, but it seems like this is a way to be involved in politics. And I'm not saying they're not principled about this on the left <laughs> without sort of advocating for very specific progressive issues. If you're, in other words, spending money on democracy, 
it's basically just like wearing an I voted sticker around. It's like, I know you're a Democrat, but <laughs> yeah. you, know, you care about larger things, uh, as you said, after January 6th. Look, Jeff Lawson and Eric Lawson are Democrats, but there is this fusion between capital D Democrat and lowercase d Democrat that is either naive or reflects, you know, a savvy reading mm-hmm. of the parties, depending on where you sit. Like, so yes, every candidate they are supporting right now is a Democrat, but this is not a officially a Democratic group, capital D Democrat. You know, th- there are believers, like lots of, frankly, I think Silicon Valley moderates are, that, or lots of just, frankly, conventional wisdom that the Republican Party is now anti-Democratic, lowercase d Democratic, after Trump, after January 6th, and that there is an effort afoot to push back on authoritarianism. And the way to do that is to make sure that, right, election clerks in Georgia are pro-lowercase d democracy. Now, there are certainly people out there who think that this is almost not partisan enough, that the real kind of ways to go after Trumpism and the kind of creeping threat of anti-democratic thinking is to like beat the fucking hell out of them, win elections in ways that fund democratic candidates running for Senate elections and, and, you know, house races. And that I think is the big schism right now in democratic big money politics. There's a group of donors who is more partisan and more believers that we need to beat the Republicans. And then there's another group, which I think the Lawson's fit into who, you know, I guess you could criticize it as a more kumbaya approach to the future of politics and that we need to protect democracy, democracy first, democracy first, meaning democracy before partisanship. And there are some donors who think that that is just like democracy is partisan at this point. And that if you're not out there being actively pro capital D Democrat, you're not actively pro lowercase D Democrat because they're the same thing. To come back to the piece just a little bit on on a more granular level here, what's so interesting to you about Jeff Lawson versus any other fat cat up in San Francisco? I mean, you write that he's from Detroit. He's not really like from California. He's a little more understated. What drew your interest to him? Like, why should we care about the Twilio CEO who's putting up millions of dollars versus someone else who's been donating to democratic politics for years now? So to some extent, it's, uh, you know, I thought John, our our boss, summed this up pretty well in his weekly email called The Backstory, which people get on on Saturday mornings. John basically talked about that there's a new establishment forming. And it's not just in Silicon Valley, but it's in Hollywood, it's in Wall Street, it's in everything we cover here at Puck, that there's this new kind of group of people. Benioff is no longer the new establishment. Benioff might have been the new establishment in 1998. And there's a new group of people who are ascending at a time when what was the new establishment of kind of a technology industry is fading into the background. People like John Doerr or Mark Benioff or even like Sean Parker. These are sort of like the has-beens, believe it or not. And I know, you know, Jeff Lawson or Eric Lawson, I'm I'm expecting, you know, as John candidly admitted in his last email, he had not heard of them or barely heard of them before before I pitched the story. But look, like I think the, the dollars and efforts speak for themselves. So, they hired uh, a bunch of kind of highly paid, highly regarded political operatives. I would say how many donors have like a full-time Sherpa, as they're called? 20? 30? Like, like that in itself tells me, you know, that they are serious because they're paying for it, right? I mean, people in, these people have enormous power, these kind of donor advisors in, in both parties, people like 
Andy Abood, who people may have heard of, who mm-hmm. uh, advises Shell Nadelson, or Dimitri Melhorn, who advises Reed Hoffman. These are the people who are kind of running day-to-day outside money groups and big money politics and hiring these people. And we can talk about what, what they're out, what lost advisors are doing in a moment. But hiring someone means they're worth the money, <laughs> in theory. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. Yeah, Teddy, I want to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to ask you about whether or not those people are worth the money. Hey, Powers That Be listeners, I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated list of gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. I use Etsy all the time and have for years. I bought my brother some artwork. I bought my wife some jewelry. I even bought a rug for our living room on Etsy. I love it. But there's a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas for friends and family members around the holidays or birthdays in my life. And sometimes I get super stressed trying to find the perfect thing. But now with gift mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. And I actually just found the perfect gift for a buddy who's just as into Cincinnati sports as I am, a hot cup of Joe, Joe Burrow mug. That's right. I found that on Etsy. It's amazing. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Welcome back, everyone. Teddy, you were just talking about how a lot of these uh, wealthy, quote unquote, philanthropists coming from the tech world have been hiring donor advisors. You named a few of them. You and I have riffed on this before. Like being somebody's guy, being a rich guy's guy or a rich guy's gal is the best job in politics. (laughs) You know, you maybe you did, you dabbled and did some serious or not very consequential work in Washington or in elections. Uh, Then you go charm a rich person to become their fixer. But, yep. you know, some of those people are posers and some aren't. And and you really present Heather Smith, uh, who is advising the Lawsons here as uh, a pretty valuable political operative, in fact. And one thing that jumped out at me was not just her work for um, democracy first, but this idea that she is at the center of, of a flywheel that the left is building, um, you know, a multi-million dollar effort yep. bringing together over $60 million <laughs> to run through C3s and C4s to spend on democracy. Um, who else might be involved in that? And is this like a next generation version of the Democracy Alliance, which is the the old Soros sort of constellation of yep. Democratic donors? So it's, this is called the pro-democracy campaign, slightly different democracy first. I know this is all sounding the same, which is sort of the point. I, I, in a lot of ways, the confusion I think tells the story. There's just so much stuff that sounds the same. But there's so much money kind of centering in this particular part of donor world over the last year um, around funding pro-democracy candidates. So Heather Smith 
someone is, you know, very limited Google Google history for her, but she used to run Rock the Vote. She's a very well-regarded kind of pro-voting rights, pro-lowercase d democracy advisor. And she, over the last six months or so, has been circulating these docs that we have seen that I think in a lot of ways show you how politics actually works, right? Like there's no website for this stuff. Heather Smith is not, you know, on MSNBC, but she's trying to raise $63 million right now from basically for this cycle for Democratic groups down and up and down the ticket. So including 501c4s that you may have heard of and then the groups that you haven't. And in a lot of ways, this is kind of how the big money world works. Basically, an advisor will circulate an idea and they try and get people to fund it. Now, Lawson's are, are in. Um, who else is in? I don't know. But they've already sent around 10 million bucks to, to groups around the country. And I can't tell you how often Heather comes up in my world. Like frequently hmm. when I'm talking with donors or donor advisors, she's always been. I've always, honestly, the, the peek behind the curtain here is I've heard about this for probably three or four months. Heather was working on something. I didn't totally know what it was. It was vague. You know, people obviously also didn't want to tell me there is a, there's a business interest in keeping this stuff out of the press for them because they feel that mm-hmm. if they start funding a group, Republicans will fund kind of a reaction. Luckily, it's not my job to support the Democratic Party's voter registration efforts. So, but she's out there trying to get this done and she has a loss and as a client. And at the end of the day, I think this will be successful in terms of getting money out there. The other sort of takeaway for me, Peter, just he mentioned at the top about how the line between philanthropy, like what is quote unquote philanthropy and what is quote unquote politics. You know, lots of this money is being funded to 501c3s, which are, you know, as tax deductible as your church or your soup kitchen. But like, make no mistake, right? These are, this is a democratic donor advisor circulating a plan that as it's laid out in the memos I've seen is very much centered around electing Democrats, which I think just sort of shows in a nutshell how C3, C4, like the tax code doesn't really matter that much here. Ultimately, these are capital D democratic plans, sort of at times disguised as lowercase d democratic plans. Um, Mm -hmm. That's how this world really works. And and is the goal, Teddy, before I let you go, to get this money into elections this year? I mean, primary season is already upon us. Like, are they going to be pumping money into these local races before November? Or is this more of like a 2023-24 play? I think it's a this cycle. This cycle plays, they've uh, distributed about 8 million bucks to 26 different organizations. They're trying to raise $62.5 million this cycle. So this is, this is a this year play, though. Look, I mean, it doesn't take a, a savant to guess when the battleground states will be in 2032. You know, it's going to be the states you think it is right now. So ultimately, this is about you know, they would say it's en vogue kind of uh, non-meaningful language people use is, is power building in democratic circles. They're trying to build organizing, you know, like Stacey Abrams has done in Georgia or like Beto O'Rourke has done in Texas to some extent. How do you create lasting infrastructure that is pro, pro lowercase d democracy, but also very unambiguously pro capital D Democrat? So I'm sure she's not thrilled that these docs are out there, but at the end of the day, this is a peek behind the curtain on how big money fundraising actually happens. And uh, as you and I both know, this is not true with many donors, but a lot of donors love giving stuff to the press. So yeah. she should not be surprised that these materials were leaked by a, a donor who wants to be in the game. These things, these things come out, and I think savvy sources know that 
these things get leaked. If, if you said if you said anything to like a couple hundred people, it's going to leak. Just general business advice for anybody listening to the podcast. <laughs> All right, Teddy, thanks. Um, I'm looking forward to your next piece on Puck about cloud computing solutions for yes. 21st century businesses. Titillating, titillating. <laughs> Please stand by. All right. Thanks, Teddy. And thanks for filling in for me when I was out. I really appreciate it. You were not half bad, my friend. I'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Later, man. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Peter Hamby. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, and Chris Corcoran, chief content officer and founding partner of Cadence 13. 